live and in color from the NBC News Radio Broadcasting Studios of KCAA, 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM, located in beautiful Southern California and in parallel from the Turfs Up Radio Studio in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Thanks for tuning in to The Water Zone Show this evening. Blessed evening to everybody across the country and across the world. Welcome to the Water Zone. I'm Rob Starr along with Mr. Chris Davies. And we are the host of the Water Zone show. I hope everybody's doing well. Chris, how are you doing out there in California? Glenda, my co-host. I understand that uh, you're out of town this uh, this Thursday. You're uh, you're not in Phoenix. No, I'm not in Phoenix. I'm in Las Vegas. Well, I'll tell you, I know that some of that monsoonal moisture that you guys are experiencing over there. I don't know if you've seen it yourself, but it's coming into uh, the desert southwest a little bit more west, and we could be affected by it by, it by uh, this weekend with the chance of some thunderstorms over our local mountains that may even breach into the uh, L.A. Basin and uh, Inland Empire. So, thanks. It's getting hot and muggy. <laughs> yeah, it was extremely muggy when I left yesterday uh, out of out of Phoenix. We we were in Palm uh, Palm Springs and then uh, back to Arizona. Now in Vegas and then heading for Orange County tomorrow. Back in California, but um, even last night here as we came uh, into Vegas, it was lightning and thundering and everything else, and, and really really muggy. And uh, I, I just uh, got a flash flood warning about our place in. Uh, in the uh, Phoenix area. So I guess weather's, weather's getting to do what it is. It's that time of year. So, uh, hey, we also have Miss Chris Austin on, who's the uh, purveyor of Maven's Notebook. Chris, how are you doing up in, uh, up in the middle California section? <laughs> well, actually, I'm not there today. I'm actually down here in oh. Southern California. So everybody oh, uh, broadcasting from the fine, uh, uh, the parking lot here in Santa Clarita, California, because I couldn't make it back to my hotel in time. So oh. I'm here. <laughs> I, I, is, it, is it hot? Do you have the car air conditioning ready? Or? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know what? My air conditioning died on me halfway on the drive halfway down here. So I got to finish out the drive through the very hot uh, San Joaquin Valley with no air conditioning in my car. So... But you know what? It's it's nice and cool here. Uh, you know, it's like only in the like I think ninety three or ninety five uh, in the shade, and there's a breeze, and it's not bad. It's much hotter where back in Chico, where I'm from. So well, I'll tell you, Chris, you're pretty tough if you think ninety three is cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, come come up and stay in Chico for a while. <laughs> I was kind of saying that tongue in cheek for Rob too, where 114 is the uh, usual daytime high. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> that is true. I, I know I've read your stuff again, as I do every day, and there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, I'll, I, I can pick a pot topic, but uh, um, I guess the biggest news is some gentleman named Max Gomberg, who was the special guy who handles water conservation for the state water control board. He told them goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's one of the many stories. I, I might've picked yeah. something else as the biggest story, but, but Hey, we'll go with that. Uh, yeah. You know, he was pretty frustrated. Let's just say, uh, you know, at, uh, what he called, called the inaction of the, 
uh, state water board that they're trying to walk the line between, you know, uh, uh, the people that want to do to do things and uh projects and stuff and 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 trying to keep things i don't know he thinks they're not they're not making bold enough moves and bold enough statements because uh, when it comes to regulation sometimes if you try to put out something bold in a regulation you usually get litigation so i yep. think and i do think that the uh the water board has tried uh to avoid that by encouraging people to come forward with uh, their own ideas of solutions and stuff. And, and the voluntary agreements that we've been talking about are, are, are sort of an at the same sort of thing. They're saying, you know, tell us, give us a plan of what you're willing to do. And, um, and I think, you know, I, I kind of think he's feeling that they're, you know, that they're kowtowing a little bit to uh other people the people that are that the people that are being regulated you know um they're not being bold so uh you know it it must be very frustrating to be in government i think uh <laughs> well you yeah, the following thing that i read from the uh, what was it called the epoch news or that's what you pronounce it that they, they they say there's so much failing to invest in new water infrastructure and i thought we have money to do that, I, I, it just surprises me. You know, they don't want to build a desal plant. Another one, they want. You know, it just everything seems to be different. Just like, gee, do we build two tunnels? Do we build one tunnel? And you know, and it goes on and on. Everybody starts off with the big boom, and then it goes nowhere. Out. Or it goes somewhere, but takes a long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we we did. You know, voters did approve money for a new water storage project. Um, and uh, in in Prop One back in 2014, and they selected those projects, and those projects are progressing. Uh, you know, it the 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 ones that are going to be online sooner are the groundwater projects because there's not a lot of infrastructure to build there. But right. uh, when it comes to dams, uh, it's a lot of work. Uh, yeah. to to build the dam and there's a lot of engineering that goes on and one of the storage projects is uh to enlarge a reservoir that's uh sort of in central california called Pacheco dam and they want to to raise this reservoir enlarge it so that um you know it can hold more water and this would benefit uh san jose and people in the east bay and and so uh, they had a lot of support uh, but then they start going in and they start doing the geotechnical studies and there's an earthquake fault there. So they're going to have to, you know, go and re-engineer. I mean, we can build a dam by an earthquake fault, but there's, you know, we need to do some, uh, take some certain steps and that makes for a more, uh, you know, expensive construction project. You know, there's a lot of things they have to do. It takes more time. Now they have to go back and they have to redesign. I mean, these things, they, they just take time, and and we need to do the due diligence. I mean, it would be, it'd be much worse if they built the dam, and then they went, oh, my, look, here's an earthquake fault. You can't fill up that dam, you know. So, um, so yeah, we do, you know, we do have that, um, you know, that money, and those projects are progressing. 
And also another thing that was in today's Daily Digest, there there are two uh, two dams in the Central Valley that are uh, finishing near, nearing completion on their projects. Uh, one of them is Lake Isabella, and that's a, a dam managed by the Army Corps of Engineers. And they discovered uh, earthquake issues at that dam probably, I don't know, at least 10, maybe 15 years ago. And so they did a uh, retrofit, a seismic retrofit of the dam. And this has been under construction for, oh gosh, I, I'm trying to think. My, I still had kids, young kids that were young enough that we went camping up there. Um, and uh, they had drawn the reservoir down. They were building, you know, working on the dam. So, I mean, again, it takes it takes years. It's got to be at least 10 years they've been working on it. And they're, they've, they're almost finished with that project. So that means they're going to be able to fill up uh, Lake Isabella again, uh, you know, provided there's water. But there is yeah. water. It's, it's up, you know, it's on the Kern River. I think it's the, the only dam on the Kern River. So, um so that that project is is about finished, and also another uh, dam that we don't really hear much about, uh, Success Dam, uh, which is a little bit further up on the east side of the San Joaquin Valley. It also had uh, seismic retrofit issues, I believe, and they're about done with that one too. Which means, you know, when a dam has seismic issues, they they don't, you, you can't fill it up to the top. They don't say you have to take everything out, but you can only, you know, have a, a limited amount of water that you can store there. So so there's going to be some increased storage in the Central Valley, you know, hopefully by the next wet season. So. Well, with so many places getting diverted of water, that's going to be kind of sketchy because, you know, they're, they're, they're already saying that August is bringing... Uh, uh, it's going to be a climatic, climatic calamity. I guess I'm going to say it slowly. Oh, oh uh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I it's, it's kind of scary when you when you read all about that that uh, with the conditions that are happening and and uh, you know and everybody's trying to get water out of the Colorado River and and, and other places. It's going to be a real hard uh, hard luck story coming. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, it, it's just the news just isn't good, really, you know, anywhere, and especially on the Colorado River. Uh, there, they've, uh, you know, they've been told they have until August 16th uh, to take, uh, figure out how to cut two to four million acre feet of water. That's like a, a state water project or two. You know, I mean, that's a substantial yep. amount. But the one thing that the Colorado River has for it that we actually don't have in the California Delta is, is that, you know, it, and it's amazing in a sense, if you think about it, it's seven states plus a foreign country, you know, and, and the water master is the, the Department of Interior. Uh, but they know how to get together. They know how to sit in a room and they know how to figure things out. I mean, this is the thing that this, this, uh, these cuts are going to hurt everybody. Uh, you know, no, nobody's going to be able to sit, sit it out. So, but they can get in a room and they can talk and they can find solutions. Um, this is something that we haven't yet been able to do with in the Delta. <laughs> so in a way, Jeff Keitlinger with Metropolitan 
would say, you know, in a way, it's easier on the Colorado River, even with seven states in one country, you know. So, uh, <laughs> you know, so we, they will be, you know, we'll, we'll see what, what they come out of it. I haven't been hearing much about the negotiations. Uh, to me, the, the big elephant in the room there is uh, the Imperial Irrigation District, which holds the, you know, very, the, the, they're almost the most senior diverter on the western, on, on the Colorado River. Uh, and it's, they're number three, the number one and number two are very small amounts. And then we have the Imperial Irrigation District with water that, you know, is equal to one-fifth the average flow of the the river, according to the Colorado uh, River Compact. So, you know, one-fifth of the flow of the Colorado River is going into the Imperial Valley. And theoretically, uh, in a in a first-in-time, first-in-right, water-right situation, Everyone, if, if there was only the flow of was only equal to one fifth of the flow that year, theoretically, Arizona and Nevada and everybody would have to, to not take water from the Colorado River and let that water go into the Imperial Valley. So, I mean, there, there, it, there's a lot of pressure on them. Uh, they did a deal with San Diego about 10 years ago in the much ballyhooed QSA. And after that, they were very angry. That, I think, ended up with a transfer to San Diego of about 235,000 acre feet or something like that. That's not very much when you have 3.1 million acre feet. But they were very angry about that. And a lot of, you know, statements in the paper that we're never going to give up another drop of our water. So, yeah. you know, but he, but now what? what are they going to do? They were kind of. You know, they they weren't entirely cooperative with the last operations plan that they were trying to come up with, I don't know, six months, a year ago. Um, eventually, they got on board, but not after they, you know, complained a whole bunch about it. Um, this time, I hear they are in the negotiations, but nothing much is being said. But um, what will be really interesting is to see what, what they do. Uh, you know, this is... I, this is where we're really going to, I really think we're going to have some serious clashes. Uh, the old time water rights is going to have a very hard time standing up to, you know, future conditions. Um, are you really yeah. going to let, you know, at, let, Arizona can't take any water. It's all got to go into the Imperial Valley. You know, I mean, and that would be even before metropolitan, you know, the Southern California's water, you know, Southern California doesn't have, you know, I think they have about 1.2 million acre feet. So they have about a third of what the Imperial Valley has in terms of water rights, but they're much farther down in priority. Uh, So, you know, we'll see what happens. I think. Let's see, maybe maybe the Imperial Valley will join. San Bernardino County, the Imperial County, and secede from the state. Did you hear that <laughs> one, Chris? Oh, yeah. They're going to have a little island in there. Although, <laughs> you know, I mean, this is this is what... Oh, I'm sorry. There's an ambulance driving by. I mean, this, is, this is interesting. So we're going to have a little, you know, island state. I mean, I, understand, I, I, I get why they say they want to do it, because, you know, they have to build 
all the houses for all the people in the region because all these other regions aren't building and, and all. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. But, you know, San, San Bernardino wants to be a state. And, of course, uh, Northern California, the far north of California, would love to succeed and be their own state, the state of Jefferson. Yeah, but <laughs> you, San, you see that. San, San is hurting for money. I mean, they're they're desperate for money and worrying about bankruptcy and everything else that's been going on for years. And I can't see how they can even think about. I mean, yes, we hear it every 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 once in a while somebody wants to succeed from the country, but it's not gonna it's not gonna work out too well for them. And and, and speaking about that, which is a little different, you, you know, one of, one of the things that you were writing about is this California's plan number two for the. Uh, uh, scale back the, the Delta water tunnels project again? What's oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, That's well, here in Florida, yeah, that, yeah, that was the big thing. Yeah, yesterday, they, to use the, the parlance of my, of the youth, yesterday, the Department of Water Resources dropped the environmental documents. <laughs> that means they, they put them out in the world. Doesn't mean they were walking down the hallway and they dumped a bunch of papers, but so they they dropped the environmental documents yesterday. That was the big that was the big story. Not unexpected. We all knew they were coming, you know, in the middle of the summer and so here they are. And so now we'll have a public comment period. I think it's going now till October 27th, but uh you can expect that somebody will ask for an extension like within the next week or two and say it's too much, we need more time. So we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, this is a smaller project than the Delta Twin Tunnels that we were talking about a few years ago, mainly because this project was is just for the state water project customers, the Central Valley project, the agricultural interest in the San Joaquin Valley are not included in this project They because they don't want to be. They bailed on the California water fix because it was going to cost them too much, um, and and they certainly have shown you know no interest in this project. So that's why it's a much smaller system. Yeah. Crazy, crazy the way it works. Also, I know uh, I always mentioned uh, Chris Davy likes to go fishing, but uh, but the, uh, the yeah. salmon are at risk at risk now. <laughs> For that massive water project with the Delta, about them taking away water from them. Yeah, it, it's a it, it's a very controversial project, and it, it will remain controversial. There there are some interesting differences here. Um, the um, uh, they definitely worked with the the folks in the Delta a lot more this time. Actually, substantially more. They had a stakeholder engagement committee that that they met with and they would ran through all the conceptual designs past the stakeholder engagement committee uh, with the idea that they could help uh, guide the design of the project to minimize impact in the Delta. And what they did, they actually came up with a different tunnel alignment that takes it not running through the center of the Delta, but more next to the interstate, Interstate 5. Um, you know, much so we're not talking sensitive agricultural land. This will be, you know, up and down, you know, close to the 5. 
and it will also mean, you know, less truck traffic, less construction traffic inside the Delta. There was a lot of concern about the levees, you know, and the levee roads and all this heavy truck traffic. And so they're going to actually have a haul, haul route, too, so they won't be on these levee roads. Um, and they have this alignment. It's farther to the east. It stays out of the Delta for the most part. And then instead of bringing the tunnel in to connect with the existing facilities at the South Delta, they realize that there is a, a reservoir just above the uh, pumping facilities and that they can take the, this water and they can put it straight into that reservoir. And what this does is it eliminates uh, another four bay that would have had to have been built in the South Delta, which would have taken up another 500 acres of, you know, ag land, presumably that would, you know, have to be converted into this four bay, but they don't have to do that now. So um, they really have, I think, minimized the impacts of this tunnel to the best that they can. Now, they haven't won anybody over in the Delta. <laughs> they, they don't want the project. They, and, and there's nothing that you could ever give them that will make them want the project. But they have come, you know, they, they were much more involved in this process. So we have a, a project that is more minimal impact. And, um, and there's also going to be a community benefits program where they're going to provide funding for the Delta to, you know, to be able to do some projects to make things nicer for them, you know. Uh, there in the Delta. They'll have some say over what those projects are. Um, and, and they might include things like um, they might uh, expand internet broadband access in the Delta because in, in some places they're still on dial-up, if you can believe that. So, huh. you know, there's, um, you know, th there's a, a number of things that they're discussing. And again, this doesn't make the people in the Delta like the project anymore, but but it does, you know, they do realize, well, if it's going to go forward, we well, might as well get something out of it, right? So yeah. they they have sort of come around to talk with uh, DWR, DWR on these things. Uh, but again, you know, it's, it's a very tough, it's a very tough uh, situation. There's a lot of reasons to build the tunnel. There's a lot of reasons not to build the tunnel, uh, and it's uh, there's it's not the kind of thing we like to talk about collaboration. But you can't really collaborate here because there's nothing you can put on the table. But for the Delta people, they don't want the tunnel at all. I mean, you could string drinking straws from the North Delta to the South Delta, and they tell you it's too much. You know, mm -hmm. so they just don't want it at all. But if they're going to have it, then you know, this it. They, they really have, in a way, I think there's much less impact with this alternative, and it's a much, much less, uh, you know, capacity. They're not taking as much. So um, we'll see. Uh, it's going to be uh, not liked no matter what. So, um, yeah. you know. Never, never and, is. Yeah. But, you know, we can't collaborate. We can't build half the tunnel. We can't, you know, it's either we build it or we don't, you know. Yeah. And, it's, and it gets down to those questions, you know. Is it, are we, you know, for the greater good? Is it for the greater good? Or are we going to say we're going to respect private property rights and, and leave these people alone and, and figure it out 
somewhere else. I mean, those, you know, it's there's there's some you know ethical questions here, and it's hard. You know, they're, they're really hard to answer. It's not clear cut. You know. No, it never is, and it's it's going to get worse with the weather and everybody's, you know, talking on the climate change and you know whether the the science is right or not. Uh, it's going to be difficult. You know, one of the things I always talk about is in California with agriculture, what's going to happen with that and the clean water, and I can go, I can go on and on and on. But uh, we're coming to the end of the segment, and I know, Chris, you're wanting to get out of your hot car. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna let you go, and I appreciate your call. Oh, and then I'm sorry that you got stuck in your car down there with no air conditioning. I apologize. Oh, I, I can't apologize. I didn't cause it, but I'm sorry you have to do that. But we do. Uh, we, yeah, I'm we are dedicated. Very, yeah, you are a dedicated, dedicated person. And I hope you got a notice from some little company saying that we sent you something. Oh, yes. And did you get my card? No, I did not. I I, I, I did. I wrote out a card. And I, and I if you donate to me, then I send you a card, handwritten. Part. It says thank you. Well, it's coming. Well, Chris Davy and I appreciate that. Well, Chris Davy and I appreciate that from the bottom of our hearts. We we really love you having you on every single week. So we'll let you go to cool off. Go have a nice drink, and, and uh, we will talk to you next week. All right. Good evening, everyone. Have a great week, Chris. All right. Thank we're going to be back. We can take a quick break, and we're going to be with our featured guest. So stick around for the second half of the water zone. We'll be back in just a minute and a half. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. If you knew there was a pipe cement that works better than the one you're currently using, is better for you and the environment, and costs the same or less, would you buy it? Well, no-brainer, right? Weldon, the trusted leader in solvent cements for over 60 years, is pleased to introduce a new line of solvent cements that does all that. Introducing the Eco-Series line of solvent cements for PVC piping systems. Not only does it work great and set fast, it also has 30% lower solvent emissions and less smelly fumes. A better workplace environment when you're installing pipes. But don't just take our word for it. Eco-Series products are the only solvent cements that are Green Seal certified for environmental innovation for effective performance, improved working conditions, and for use with potable water. Now available in a medium-bodied, fast-setting blue formula, 905 Eco, and a regular-bodied, fast-setting clear formula, 900 Eco. Pick up a can today from your local distributor and see, smell, and feel the difference, just like Joe Sweat, president of Sunrise Irrigation, did. He said, after using Weldon's 905 Eco, we immediately noticed the application was smooth and there was noticeably less odor than other blue solvent cements on the market. The guys love it. To learn more about eco-solvent cements from Weldon, visit the website at www.weldon.com or call the technical service hotline at 877-477-8327. That's 877-477-8327. They love you. They love you not. They love you. Satisfying your customers, it's a full-time job. Want an easy way to make them happy? Try having your ornamentals delivered straight to the job site with Nursery Direct. Could save you and your clients a pretty peony. Think about it, instead of driving to the nearest nursery, picking up the order, and then driving to the job site, the crew's able to begin work right away. That cuts time and labor. Savings you can pass on to your customers, and 
can get your plants delivered direct, even if you don't have a nursery branch in your area. Here's another quick tip. Keep a substitutions list on standby for every project, so your team knows what to do in case a plant isn't in stock. Because there's nothing customers appreciate more than a project that finishes on time and on budget. They love you. They really love you. Aw. K-C-A-A. Well, all right, everybody, welcome back to the second half of the Water Zone Radio Show. I'm your host, Chris Davey, along with the absolutely awesome Rob Starr on the other side of the microphone here. Rob, wasn't it great to have Chris Austin back on? He's been uh, off a couple of weeks with various uh, family issues and a little holiday time. Nice to have her back on once. Absolutely. Like I said, I feel bad that she uh, she was stuck driving and then the air conditioning didn't work and she had to park in a parking lot because she couldn't get to her hotel room. So uh, we we sincerely appreciate that a lot. She's uh, she's a real I, I, she she doesn't give up. And I like that about her. She's really I love her tenacity and she knows a lot about water. But uh, most people in California don't know. So we appreciate that. But I'll let you uh, yeah, take over we- here for a few minutes. Yeah, sure. We scored big time, I guess, when uh, when we got her to come on the show, Rob, and uh, and and have appreciated it ever since. Well, let's get to our second guest, Rob. I guess we got um, somebody from uh, academia on today, so uh, I'm going to introduce uh, a gentleman by the we name got, of Jay Craig. Uh, got to ask. Smart- professor- <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Rob. So we got we we got to act smarter now. <laughs> yeah, we got academia. But, uh, you know, uh, uh, Jay's waiting in the wings here. I know he can hear us. So, uh, man, we I uh, hope we didn't give it away. But uh, here we go. So, Jay is a professor. Uh, he's at the Claremont Graduate University, the Drucker School of Management. Full disclosure here, I went to that school way back when. So, I'll ask you a question about that, Jay. I know I had you as a professor for one of my classes. Um, okay. That was many years ago, back, back in the late 80s and... Uh, uh, maybe it was 89, 90, or 91, somewhere around there. You were there at that time, weren't you, Jay? I was, and so if, if if your memory is correct, then you know that I'm not exactly a traditional academic in, in most people's uh, view. I'm, I kind of go my own way on a lot of things, shoot from the hip, and uh, I don't uh, tow very many uh, traditional academic party lines, to say the least. So, um, yeah. Well, I do, I do remember that for sure. But let me give you, let me give our listeners a little bit more background, uh, Jay. And it may sound traditional because I'm kind of reading it from a bio, buddy. But, <laughs> but let's see. You've been, you've been there. You've been teaching, I think, since 1986, as I, as I read. And that's, before that, you, you also taught it. Yeah, you also taught at other Claremont uh, colleges, uh, Harvey Mudd mm-hmm. and Mac- uh, Claremont McKenna, Pomona College, uh, all here in the uh, in the great, great town of Claremont. And I will tell you. When I was going to school at uh, at Drucker, and I took classes from Peter Drucker himself, and sat right in front of him, and listened to him, and got all my textbooks signed by him. It was a great one of the greater experiences um, uh, in my life. But I still live in Claremont, uh, Jay, <laughs> after after all these many years. Uh, so so let's see. You've won. Uh, it says here you've won twenty eight teaching awards over your uh, career there at Claremont Colleges. It, also served on uh, 
as the academic director for the executive MBA program, near and dear to my heart uh, uh, as well. You served on many boards like uh, the Link Housing, which is a nonprofit low-income housing developer here, right here locally in Long Beach, uh, California. Mm -hmm. You've also been on the board of directors for Mount San Antonio Gardens here in Claremont. Is that the same as Santa Ana Botanic Gardens, now the Cala, California Botanic Garden, or is that different? No, no, this is uh, the, uh, Mount San Antonio is a retirement home. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Okay. But uh, just for our listeners, so you know, uh, it's not like Jay Craig, this is your first time on the radio. We know you've got some radio show chops, as they say. Um, for our listeners, uh, Jay's been on uh, as a weekly guest on the Lou Desmond Show, uh, one of uh, our favorites for Rob and I. We've been listening to Lou Desmond for uh, a while. Uh, and also, we're going to ask you a little bit about some of your published books and articles and things that you've done over the years, published in newspapers, that kind of uh, that kind of stuff, research papers. But you focus on um, macroeconomics, mi uh, microeconomics, uh, financial economics, uh, and and we're going to see. We're going to ask you the first question here, Jay, and it's really for our listeners. You know, wondering, hey, we got an academic on here. What connection does that have? With uh, the water zone and uh, and uh, uh, and water, so maybe uh, you can give us a little background about yourself. If anything I've missed in your intro, and then kind of tell us where that connection is. Well, I uh, uh, do a lot of speaking, especially in the summer. Uh, well, we don't have as many classes, and I'll I'll tell you a funny story. Actually, I was speaking about three weeks ago to the California and Nevada uh, Credit Union Association, um, and they specifically asked me to talk about housing affordability in the state of California and, and Nevada, but California is the lightning rod for that. And uh, the problem with building uh, housing uh, that the average person, you know, the median income family uh, in California can afford, the, the, the difference between what a median income family can afford and what the median house costs in California is enormous. It's hundreds yeah. of thousands of dollars and how to yeah. solve this problem. And I'm taking questions um, from some of the CFOs and CEOs. And one of them said, well, is housing affordability in California uh, linked to water availability? Um, I had never had that question asked of me. Um, I, I'm the chairman of the board of an affordable housing company, and that's a slightly different thing because they we build stuff that's subsidized and whatnot for more working class people. But the connection between water and housing affordability uh, is something that I don't think anybody has uh, made directly. Um, it obviously is connected. Uh, every city in which you try and build worries out loud. In fact tries to stop you sometimes uh, with the problem of we don't have enough water. Um, the state has a problem right now with a shortage of housing. Um, they haven't made a plan, a sustainable plan, and you're listening to the last part of your previous guest uh, discussion, um, to provide water for the people that are here now, having yet potential growth and the future and on and on and on. So I don't think we can solve problems like housing affordability um, until we solve infrastructure problems. Now, 
obviously we can go in many different directions yeah. on that, right? Crime and this, that, and the other. But water is one of the biggies. And and if you if you yeah. don't have a plan for that, and I'll I'll make one final connection to it. Um, I'm I'm watching a movie the other day, famous movie. Everybody knows it, uh, Chinatown. Um, yeah. Chinatown is all about getting water to California before California was even California, before yeah. anybody was even here. The visionaries, and of course, this was not a like good person in the movie, but the visionaries who saw the future of California saw that water had to get here first because there wasn't any here. I don't think we've had any visionaries like that for a long time. We we haven't had anybody who's um, talking in in grand terms about the next big new water project to help grow the state. We, we can't even sustain it, having yet grow it, right? So we're talking about tapping many of the same old sources a little more or, um, you know, in, in different ways. Um, I wonder where the next Mulholland or the next, uh, you know, California aqueduct idea or the next whatever it is um, is going to come from. Because if we don't get more water, all growth stops, not just the plant. We know about agriculture and the problem there, but everything. We we're, we're 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 dead in the water. Oh, that's a bad, bad choice of phrase, isn't it? <laughs> um, we're economically stuck uh, if if we don't have more water very soon. And of course, you two know this is something they should have been working on for fifty twenty years ago at least. Um, it's kind of sad to think that n- nobody, with the possible exception of San Diego, and I gather they actually did a very good job um, planning for their own future with connections with the desalinization plant down there and some other uh, creative sourcing. But most of the rest of the state, certainly L.A. County, San Bernardino, Ken, and the others, really haven't done very much. Um, Not not anything creative, at least. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm perplexed about how they think the economy of the state can grow without growth in water. I'm I'm, I'm lost on that one. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned it's funny you mentioned Chinatown, Jay, because well, back in you know the <clears throat> early or mid seventies, I can't remember when that when that came out, but I distinctly remember watching that and have thought back on it over my career in water uh, for many many years. I guess the difference I look at when I think about that movie uh, Chinatown, uh, there was a lot uh, in that movie about the corruption back then in uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, in those days, and so uh, maybe maybe that's a little bit different these days. I don't know. Well, it's, it's corruption for sure, but power and 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 resources and and wealth are often connected. Uh, but it was it was corruption that got us the one resource we didn't have that allowed this, the the region to grow. So, do you have to get? Do you have to be corrupt to get it? Well, let's hope not, because if that's true, we are we, we got a problem. Because uh, <laughs> as I said, I don't see where growth comes from unless something new. Uh, in terms of water, um, is 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 yeah, you know, it comes around. Jay, welcome to the show. This is Rob, and uh, we thank you very much for joining. You know, I I recently moved out of Orange County and, and moved out to uh, the suburbs west of Phoenix, and uh, I, I happen to live and Chris Davy happened to come out and visit time and but it's the the city that i live in is the large is actually the fastest growing city in the united states right now and uh, the use corporation bought a bunch of property even a little more west where i live 
and they they propose to build a hundred thousand homes in this in this new area. Mm. And one of the rules in Arizona is you have to prove that you have a hundred years worth of water before they'll approve a project like that. And I know we don't do a whole lot of that in California. I've been in California for many many years, and and aside from the the agriculture issue. Of, of not getting water, you know, that, that's going to hit the economy. We all know that. But but water affects a whole bunch of other things. Just, you know, it, it's manufacturing. It's people for building homes. I mean, you know, it's it's going to be a scary thing. Even with the people leaving California by by the boatload, from what I read, you know, a couple hundred thousand, it, it's going to be hard for new people to come in and build uh, developments when there's so much of a shortage of water going and and I always go back. You mentioned the uh, diesel plant, in San Diego, and then Carlsbad. It took 17 years from the time they started build, started to talk about it before it got done. 17 years, and we got to find better and faster ways to get through these processes to to make it happen. Uh, I, I I see that it's going to get worse and worse and worse uh, in California, and all throughout, actually all throughout the Southwest with, with the water shortages you know, the fights on the Colorado River and everything else. You know, the economy, and that's your specialty. I'm, I'm engineering, you're, you're an economist. I, I, I believe that water is going to have, the, the economy is going to take a real bad dump because of the lack of water and a lack of new projects being not moving forward. What? How do you see that future? Well, I do. I agree with that. And, and it's, it, I think, going to be a little bit ironic. Um, you know, everybody, I, I heard reference in the previous uh, caller discussion to a global warming and all of that stuff, and everybody is paying attention to uh, how we produce power and, and drive our cars and, you know, that sort of thing, and uh, carbon-based fuels versus alternatives. Um, everybody's, everybody's focused on that. Um, if we don't get water fairly soon, the rest of that's moot. It, it, it's not going to matter. Uh, it, it'll if it again. I'll, I'll go with your phrase, uh, depending on how much you believe that the scientists. But if we have a climate problem, it took a hundred years to create. It'll probably yes. take a hundred years to fix as well, realistically. Yep. And that assumes we don't get a volcano that that basically you know burps us a hundred further years down the road. We'll have a water problem in a decade. Uh, in many places, we have a waterfront right now. So the the climate change stuff um, is is kind of it's trivial uh, compared to the economic impact of not having water. Now, there are lots of things that water professionals know. Lou and I on the show, and I've been on his show, I think, since the second week of his show. I came on as a guest in his second or third week, and I've been on ever since. So he and I hit it off very well. Um, We've had people on the show who talk about groundwater that's available um, that other people have rights to but isn't currently being used and uh, plans to, or at least proposals, to access it and use it. And they're usually thwarted by environmental or this, that, and the other. Uh, There is water. People know. Um, It's a question of... um, getting everybody on board with the reality that there'll be no economy, there'll be no growth um, if you don't begin to figure out how to access it and use it and uh, the greater good stuff that I heard you talking about. Um, yeah, that that's just a fact. And the water problem will be a problem far sooner than 
climate change and, and global warming and all of that. Right. I, I, you know, I truly believe, you know, from my, my background, again, I'm, I'm not a, a scientist of weather or anything like that. Mine's more on the electronic and physics side. But, but you know, from what, what I've studied in college and what I've read about all through the years is that, you know, the Earth has gone through different cycles. Yes, we have more people. Yes, we have more cement highways which generate heat. And I was, I was looking at a story the other day about everybody saying, oh, you know, solar power is the answer and windmills and all that. But I, from a two foot by six foot solar panel increases the temperature from, from them 36 degrees higher. Mm. And so mm. if you look at, you know, when I come out to Las Vegas or drive in Arizona, I see all these gigantic solar farms. Uh, it's gigantic. Even, even the one coming off of the one, the, the one off the 15th, uh, I've read stories that when birds fly over these things, they get, it's like going through a microwave. They get zapped and disintegrate because <laughs> of the heat. And, and so, so yeah, we're rushing off to do all this stuff, but, but they're creating energy, but they're also creating more heat by doing so. And, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I actually had a petroleum engineer, so you'll like this one, explain this to me once. Uh, he was a speaker in a class of mine. He said, look, Jay, um, uh, energy is everywhere. The sun produces a lot of energy, but it's spread diffusely over the earth. You need to find a way to concentrate it, and that's, of course, what solar panels do, but right. that takes an awful lot of gathering. Oil has already concentrated the energy. Nuclear has already concentrated. So right. if you're looking for a way to create a lot of power, the straightforward way is to go for something where it's already been gathered and concentrated. Um, yes. Wind and, and solar is there, but you know, replacing one gas-powered uh, plant with solar is replacing, you know, 50,000 square feet uh, energy complex with hundreds of thousands of acres of windmills and, and solar panels. It's just look, look, at the, look at the geometry of it. It's going to be a, a very different-looking planet. Yeah, and windmills don't by themselves generate tons of electricity. I mean, it's minimal compared to a, a nuclear plant or, 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 as you said, a yeah. coal-fired. Or, and you know, I know we're, I know we're, everybody's rushing over to get to the new, the new green deal. I'm not going to be political, but as as an engineer and scientist guy in that field, we're not there yet with all that technology, with batteries and everything else. I mean, it's it's, it's kind of. I, I believe we should march down that road. But we're not there yet to, to do a transition immediately to stuff that's going to put us behind, I think, is, I think is false. I also don't understand why we can't drill and, and produce oil and gas here, but we're going to go to our enemies and ask them to do it because I don't know why. It's not going to be cleaner for them to do it. If, and if they're going to do it, they're yeah. going to mess up the atmosphere. So why can't we do it? I mean, I, I just don't well, understand all those things. And I, and I feel I feel that the legislation people don't tell us everything about that. Well, you're preaching to the choir on, on all of those, and as an economist, I'll tell you, we're, we're, we're staring at a problem of, uh, well, the way I describe it is, is, is it's past dependence. We, we, we like the idea of the cleaner earth that is at the end of all of the green stuff, except that if we go that way and India and China and Russia don't, but let's just go with India and China, who are much bigger than we are. If they right. don't go green, then the atmosphere is not going to be cleaner. And we will have lost most of our economy to them. They'll be producing yeah. the cheap energy. They'll be producing the cheap goods. They'll get most of the jobs. So it's, it's a noble thing, but the idea of California going it alone is pretty silly. Uh, even the U.S. going it alone, which is what we're in effect doing without any kind of enforceable agreement, 
is nonsensical. We're, we're not going to get there from here. So, yeah. you know, nice thought, uh, but we'll, we'll be, we'll be a, a bankrupt country with dirty air rather than, you know, a, a country that can be part of the economic, you know, solution to the world. I think yeah. you're right. Politicians are telling us everything. And, and by the way, that's all just common sense. I mean, there isn't anything there that's deep. But realistically, we can't clean the atmosphere of the Earth. It's just, the U.S. alone can't do it. No. So. And, we, and, and we, we've reduced enough from here. I, I think you might have met or know Steve Moore. Oh, oh sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so I, 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 I was with him oh, probably about two years ago with him and, 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 uh, and Lewis, Lou Desmond. And we were talking about the same thing. And, and he, he says the same thing you say. I mean, so so a lot of other people. I mean, I just don't understand why it's not clearer to a lot of rest of the people who just want to push, push, push to get somewhere that we're not ready to get there. I think we can work towards that, but it's not going to be here in a year or two years. And by cutting yeah. off everything else that we have, I mean, the economy, especially with the water and the energy, I mean, look at all hydroelectric dams that they're so low that they can't even run, the, can't even run their pumps. I mean, it's scary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, we uh, we have a solution to to both power and water if we simply build long pipelines, sort of Alaska pipeline sized pipelines from Canada, and start getting a lot of our clean hydro power from up there. Now the power's a problem because of the drop off, and and you know it isn't going to make it the whole way. Um, but but you know that's another country that's that 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 requires a, a few changes in. Um, mentality and laws and other things. But that's what I mean by somebody's got to start thinking really big about this problem. Somebody's got to start thinking about um, moving water from a lot farther away than the than the Colorado River um, yeah. if we're going to continue to grow a state the size of this one. True. If, if I always ask a funny question here, but if you were the czar, if you were appointed czar of water, for not only California but the United States, what would what would be the top three things that you would immediately do or think we need to do? Congratulations, uh, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, can I turn that job down? I've seen what it does to other people. Um, you know, I do like I do like technologies that are that are easy and smart. So I know a lot of irrigation companies, Toro in particular, uh, who have funded projects at Harvey Mudd College, by the way, uh, yes. for um, uh, intelligent irrigation systems. Um, are, are are terrific. I mean, they they don't count on people to turn things on and off. Uh, they use you know probes and 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 other things uh, that sense and decide what needs water when. Um, those sorts of things are are already in our grasp and doable. Um, I I think that uh, you know, asking people to conserve is, is really nice, but everybody depends on their neighbor to do the conserving and they want to water their own yard. Right. Um, but I, but I do think, um, sensible, um, conservation, uh, just getting people on board in the same way that, that they did when we were all kids with stopping littering and, and that sort of thing with just a, you know, not wasting water when you don't have to. Now, I say that knowing I'm one of the ones who takes out the water governor from his sh- uh, water pick shower head uh, the minute I buy it so that I can get a decent shower out of it. Um, but there are conservation things that I think everybody can do that don't really change your lifestyle um, very much. And, 
yeah, you know, we might be past the time when we can have um, huge greenbelt uh, everywhere. I have a place in Palm Springs, and they have groundwater in Palm Springs, so they don't actually have much of a water problem there. But it's a desert community that's full of golf courses and, and, and grass lawns. Um, might not be the best use of water in the world uh, for things like that. So I think common sense stuff, um, where you kind of bring on board the hundreds of millions of people that live in the country with the, let's all get behind these things, let's raise the next generation to just think differently about conserving what we've got. Um, and I've always liked proposals like using gray water more intelligently. Vegas is terrific, by the way. So Vegas is uh, water uh, systems are incredible, right? They don't waste anything uh, there. Uh, the minute you flush, it's probably watering something outside. It's just, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, we need to move more towards systems like that and, and stop keeping old fashioned water systems uh, for way past their uh, uh, useful life. Yeah, we, we agree. Chris, you have some follow up? I do. I just, we're uh, just, yeah, just one quick thing, because uh, a couple of listeners here writing, and uh, uh, Jay, they're saying that, you know, they appreciate the connection you made to, you know, all the different uh, uh, infrastructures that water affects, and the fact that, that if we don't have water, all the other stuff is mute. One comment from a, from another listener there. Everything somehow is connected to uh, power, right, to some sort of uh, power source to, to generate it and keep it running. So, just wanted to mm-hmm. mention this. We had a couple of uh, we had a couple of thumbs up uh, for you from our listeners. Great. Well, Jay, we're, Rocky, we're we have a- no, we're, we're getting close to our NBC News hour that we have to switch out and and go to Jay. It was really appreciated uh, that you came on the show. I, I like I said, I'm I'm long friends with uh, Nicole and, and Lou for a long time, and uh, we, I listened to the show as well. And, and Lou's been on our show a couple of times. We're trying to figure out since we're both. Uh, I'm NBC and he's not how we can coordinate our shows to tie together and, and do one long broadcast so we're, we're trying to work on that but well, we do you have my contact you information this- please feel free to reach out again I'm happy to come on anytime you have something you want to talk about excellent awesome. we appreciate thanks. that okay. alright thanks and uh, listeners thank you very much for joining us again this week and the most important thing that Chris and I always tell you is to please help keep our planet blue planet blue Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Thanks, Jay. Bye-bye. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. NBC News Radio. I'm Brian Shook. A bipartisan semiconductor bill passes the House and is heading to President Biden's